Welcome to the Daily Drive. This show is dedicated to keeping you educated, informed, and most importantly, driven to succeed. We want your feedback, so call us at 1-800-437-5121. Everyone on the Daily Drive Show team hopes you enjoy this show. Here's your host, Ken Noor. Welcome to The Daily Drive. I hope you're having a fantastic day, the best day of your life. Today, I get to interview David Barnett. Who is David Barnett, you ask? Well, just flip your phone over and look. There's a good chance out of the 140 million pop sockets sold. Actually, they're not called pop sockets. They're called pop grips. And they're made by a company called Pop Sockets. He invented and founded the company Pop Sockets. Really cool interview. David Barnett used to be a philosophy professor. And the story about how he came up with the idea is very interesting. But more than that, and you know how we do our shows, we dig into and understand who this CEO is. Well put me on the phone with the philosophy professor, and we're going to talk about the meaning of life. Here we go. You are the CEO, inventor, and founder of PopSockets. So tell us about PopSockets. Sure. So uh, we, we call it the PopSockets grip, uh, just to avoid uh, what, what people call genericide, what happened to Kleenex and uh, Xerox when people started referring to all those paper things that you blow your nose in as Kleenex, uh, it, it threatened their trademarks. So pop sockets we reserve for the brand, and then the item is the pop grip, actually. I in, invented it back in, geez, it's hard to say the, the exact moment, but 2010, I started developing. It took a while to develop it. Didn't you uh, originally invent it to be a way to hold earbuds, and you would wrap it around two of them, kind of two posts sticking out of the back, but it evolved? Sure. So it's a it's a deep philosophical question what it is when we say invented it. So I did invent one thing for sure. It was a, a couple of giant uh, clothing buttons that I glued to the back of my iPhone 3, and that was in 2010, uh, just to wrap my uh, earbud cords to keep them from tangling. Uh, and that's what motivated all of this. So I was just tired of my headset tangling, and I solved the problem with those buttons I got made fun of quite a bit by friends and family, and that motivated me to start tinkering with mechanisms to get the buttons to expand and collapse for further functionality and uh, more more respect so that it would look a little bit better. Um, and <laughs> after gotcha. considering a, a bunch of different mechanisms, I landed on the accordion mechanism and, and uh, spent a lot of time miniaturizing uh, the accordion mechanism uh, uh, to get it to expand and collapse and finish that around the time of the Kickstarter campaign in 2012. Uh, and then, and that was around a case that had two of these that would expand and, and collapse, two of these grips, accordion-based grips. Um, so, uh, and then launched the product that most people are familiar with today, launched that two years later in 2014, the standalone product, the Pop Grip. It, uh, a lot of people uh, refer to it as 
as PopSocket or PopSocket's grip. Um, and the primary benefit is as a grip, so it allows you to pull your hand out from behind the backside of a phone, especially a big phone. Um, so you can hold the phone while your thumb is freely moving around the whole front of the phone comfortably, um, and it makes it a lot easier to use a phone. You can also use it one-handed. I didn't realize that you guys had so many other products. I'm I'm sure that's a battle that you're still working on because that one eclipses everything when you have a lightning rod of a of a product like the Pop Grip. But I didn't even realize that there was like this holder you could put in your car and use it to slide in. It's it's brilliant. Remarkably, that holder we call it the uh, we have a mount series, the Pop Mount series. But the different mounts, there's one that goes in the vent, uh, that attaches to one of the vent blades. There's another one that will just stick to your dashboard, and we're launching another one in the next in the next few months. Uh, but the mounts every week uh, are typically our top sellers uh, in a Target or a Walmart, uh, the number one really? seller. And over the last month, our top 15 sellers on our website, um, only one of them is is a grip, the black grip. But the others are uh, wallets that we have, card holders with integrated grips in them. Uh, and we have a collaboration with OtterBox. So those cases with integrated grips uh, take up quite a few of the top spots also. You kind of evolved to just toss the case out and and the, the grip itself became the, it didn't matter now. It didn't have to have a unique fit on a particular phone. You could go from phone to phone to phone and it has to make your life a little bit easier and in adapting to the next generation of product. You're absolutely right. It made business much easier, not not uh, manufacturing a form-specific form uh, product and not having the risk of having that inventory for, you know, sitting there when, when Apple comes out with a new device or Samsung comes out with a new device. So uh, just recently we returned to, to the case through with, with our partner, OtterBox, who's an expert in those areas. Uh, and it makes more sense now. Did you dream it was going to go here? No, I never dreamed it would go anywhere close to this. Uh, my earliest, wildest dreams, well, yeah, my, my earliest dream was just to get a product in, in retail packaging on a peg in a store. And I remember that finally happening. We got it into a store on Pearl Street, our first uh, retail partnership with a famous toy store called Into the Wind. Um, on Pearl Street, and they agreed to carry the product. Back then, it was sold in pairs uh, so that it could be used uh, for the headset management more easily. Um, but they agreed to put a put a homemade stand that I had made. So I carved out pieces of wood and built this little stand that they put at their uh, checkout and agreed to put it on the desk. And I had my product there, and my dream was satisfied, just seeing my product there and being able to point and say, I, I made that. And then, I guess as time went on, I thought to myself, huh, maybe we could sell, you know, thousands of these, or maybe we could even sell a million of them. And today we've sold over 140 million, so far beyond what I ever dreamed. So you got that McDonald's counter thing going on. The billion is the next mark. Funny you say that. Just yesterday I looked at a presentation, an internal presentation, where I think it said uh, it took McDonald's something like geez, 12 or 17 years to sell their first $100 million, and it took us uh, five years to sell our first $100 million. I heard that I was going to be uh, getting a chance to do this interview, and I thought to myself, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm 50, so I look back and I go, 
I remember, you know, pre-cell phone times. I know there's a lot of younger people now that don't even remember that. And I remember getting my first brick and I had one of the brick phones. And then, and then I remember getting a flip phone. When I had my flip phone, maybe I was bad at envisioning what the future cell phone was going to look like. Does the cell phone change much from what it's now to what it's going to be in the future? Uh, you know, does the pop grip still, uh, I mean, a pop grip would, you know, wouldn't have worked on a flip phone, obviously looking backwards. Um, so, but looking forward, does the cell phone up for any, in your mind, uh, any major innovation? So um, I'm, I'm guessing most, most of your listeners are, are, are aware of the foldable phones that are starting to hit the market. Um, they can fold inside out, meaning the sc- I'll say screen side out they can fold, or they can fold screen side in. And uh, either way, it's, it's a far more expensive phone, you know, roughly $2,000 for this phone. The screen itself is more expensive because now it's foldable. So there's, you know, an even greater need to, uh, first of all, have a grip so that you can manipulate this huge thing. And second of all, have a grip so that you don't drop it and break your $2,000 device. Uh, so we have uh, we've designed grips for these for the foldable designs. Um, after foldable, what's coming? There's word that you know there's there's development of wrist-based devices. I'm skeptical that these are going to gain popularity, um, and and that they're really going to take over the uh, the current form factor. I just don't think people will will find it acceptable to to carry this on their wrist. Yeah, like some kind of holographic projection. Maybe holographics is next, and then finally they'll just inject the phone into your ear, into your brain through through your ear. Yeah, they'll put a pop grip on the back of our heads. There you go, or on the <laughs> forehead. It looks pretty good on the forehead. <laughs> it's funny you should say that. So, you know, one of the things that's just an interesting about thing about our company is every time we have an employee who's been with us a year, and there's an interesting story that that we we unveil a photograph of them and we and we hang it in the in the halls of the office, and these these posters are are somewhat targets for manipulation by other employees. They'll <laughs> put you know signs on Mustache. them or whatever. Every one of them right now has a mustache on them. They, they, they've gone through and put mustaches on everyone. Paper with a piece of tape behind it or whatever. I walked past one in the hallway earlier uh, where there is a pop socket, or excuse me, I'm, I'm, I'm educated now, a pop grip put in a very strategic location. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I thought, oh, that's an interesting use for a, a pop grip. Uh, there, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I hope that spreads. Can you characterize your life as an entrepreneur? Single word. Um, fulfilling? Fulfilling. I like it. I like it. Are you married or single? Married. How long? Eight years. Eight years. Congratulations. Thank um, you. Dinner, dinner and a movie out or dinner at home and Netflix? Ooh, dinner and uh, dinner at home with Netflix. Cool. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Really? Why? I never really watched Star Trek, so I couldn't really I couldn't tell you much about it. I got you Star Wars but purely from an exposure standpoint. I didn't have the attention span to to really understand the, the depth of the philosophy of, of Star Trek back when I watched it uh, as a kid. I remember my friend, my super nerdy friend, he was into it. 
and I would just want to, you know, throw a ball or run around in circles while he was watching it because I didn't understand it. You were a philosophy professor. Explain. I, I like the word professor because it also doesn't, you know, I understand it's instructor, but it sounds like I'm professing something. So you profess right. philosophy? Well, funny you should ask. When I was a philosophy student, uh, I had a, a, a moment where uh, it hit me that there are such things as philosophers. I was in the hallway, and I remember one professor talking to another and saying, well, you know, this philosopher, and I, I had a little smirk, and I started giggling as if there are such things as philosophers in today's age. But it turns out there are, and they teach, uh, and they teach the subject of philosophy. So what is philosophy? Jeez, I like to tell people in my company it's just clear thinking, especially when they tell me to quit doing philosophy. I always say, well, if you want me to stop thinking clearly, I can, but it seems like a bad idea uh, for our company if you really want me to stop thinking clearly. Uh, philosophy, philosophy is, you know, trying to think clearly, and then it's typically about certain subject matter, you know, the nature of consciousness, uh, what, you know, what are we, who are we, how should we act, that would be ethics. Uh, how can we know anything about the world? Uh, how can we know certain types of things, like scientific things? How can we know about mathematics? So knowledge, reality, yeah. What is your – I know that that goes off into a lot of areas. So what is your what is your area? What is your vertical, if you will, in philosophy that, that intrigues you the most? I was most interested in uh, philosophy of the mind. So those first two questions I named to you, what, what is consciousness? Uh, how are we related to our brains and our bodies? And by consciousness, I mean sort of the, the experiential component of, of, uh, of life. So what it's like to, to hear my words right now, what it's like to taste the taste of a cherry or the taste of a blueberry, what it's like to feel sad, what it's like to have a visual experience. All those things, all those things that you can imagine having while you're dreaming, too. You can have sensations while you're dreaming, rich sensations while you're dreaming. So consciousness can be, you know, disconnected from the causes of consciousness, the external world, like, you know, photons that bounce off objects and cause you to have that visual experience uh, through your through the neurons in your brain. But then the question is, how how does uh, what's going on in your brain relate to these experiences that we have? And it's it's not an easy question. No, and, and and it's deep thinking. But I've got you going down that path, so I have to ask the, I have to ask the question. At least it's obvious to me. Maybe not obvious to anyone else. And and that that is, is our reality real? I doubt we're in the matrix. I can't be certain of much except that I exist. So you know, Descartes famously said, "I think, therefore I am." Um, that's the one thing each of us uh, uh, can't reasonably doubt, and that's our own existence. Um, and our own conscious experience. So you can be certain of, of what your what sensations you're having. And then the question, as you just raised it, is are they really caused by things that resemble them? So when I have the sensation, a visual sensation of a person standing on a ladder, uh, is there actually a person on standing on a ladder causing this experience by virtue of light bouncing off of them and bouncing into my eyes? That's the question you're asking. I'm confident that the answer is is yes. There's a person standing on a ladder most of the time when I have that experience. And then the question arises: Is that ladder and is is that person are their natures really? Do they resemble the visual experience? And the answer to that question really is no. 
science tells us that ladders are not solid and neither are human organisms, right? They're 99.99999% empty space. Uh, but that's not how we perceive them. We perceive macroscopic physical objects as solid three-dimensional blobs when in fact they're mostly empty space with tiny little particles bouncing around uh, and they're not bouncing around as we would imagine them. They're bouncing around in really bizarre ways. Deep, huh? He is a very interesting guy and there is more to come. Tune in tomorrow on The Daily Drive for part two of this interesting philosophical conversation with David from PopSockets. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening and thanks to our sponsor, That Company. Why is that company the white-label digital marketing provider for some of the biggest agencies in the industry? Because we get results, we retain clients, and we deliver profitability. Visit www.thatcompany.com to find out how we can make your agency more profitable. If you want to give us feedback, call us now at 1-800-437-5121 or drop by dailydriveshow.com. Make sure you add us to your Alexa daily briefing skill. Don't forget that you can listen to us live every day on WQBQ at 7.30 a.m. The show wouldn't be possible without the Daily Drive Show team, executive producer Rob the Hitchhiker Young, web guru Taj Royer, and the audio man with the plan shoddy don't forget to tune in tomorrow